Happy Wednesday and welcome back for episode six of Hoops and Cedar podcast with me, Mariah. It is a lunar new year and we just had a new moon in Aquarius and the energy is powerful right now. I hope that you guys have been able to feel that energy and use it for growth or some type of peace within yourself. I know for me, I feel like it's all given me some kind of relief that things are going to be better soon. Um, We're like halfway through the winter or maybe more than halfway. I actually don't know. But point being, the energy of this time has been really helpful for me. And so I hope everyone has had time to feel that as well. This episode, I am recording very last minute and I randomly decided to ask on my social media accounts if there was anything that anybody wanted to say that I can repeat on the podcast, something that you just wanted to get off your chest, advice that you feel like somebody needs to hear, or really just anything. So I'm going to start with going over some of those things first before we dive into the topic of this episode, which will be a birth story. Um, And it ended up being more than just a birth story. I decided I'm going to talk about my entire pregnancy and birth story with Moon. So stay tuned for that. But first, let's get into these responses. So for the sake of protecting people's responses and allowing them to be more vulnerable and really just say whatever they wanted to. I'm keeping all of these responses anonymous and I'm just going to go through them and read them and just either respond lightly or not respond at all, but at least just give that some airtime on this podcast. Maybe there's something that somebody says that resonates with you and it's a message you needed to hear. And so I'm just trusting in spirit giving us divine messages right now on this podcast. So somebody responded simply, I'm sad. And this person, I know why they're sad. And I just want to let you know that it's okay to be sad. And I see you in your sadness. And I just wish that you allow yourself the grace to continue to feel that pain until you can move from it and know that you're strong enough to get past it when you're ready. But don't feel bad for being sad. Sadness fucking sucks. And I've been sad too, but we can get through that. So hopefully next time I see you, you're happier. The next thing that was submitted is a piece of advice. It says, don't worry about your audience. Your story deserves to be told. And I low-key feel like that one (laughs) was for me, Um, but I'm sure there's so many people who need to hear that. I think with social media being such a triggering place or a place that brings so many people a lot of anxiety when they post, um, this is a, a good message for all of us. We really shouldn't have to worry about who's receiving what we say because at some point somebody is going to relate or love it or find it worth reading or listening to. So keep up with that. Tell your story. Another submission says, it's okay to leave and walk away from toxic relationships. Snaps for that. That's pretty self-explanatory. And I hope that if you hear this and you're looking for a message in this, and that's the one. I hope you have the power to really actually leave a toxic relationship. Protect your peace. And if you really can't leave, at least try to figure out a way to live with it. With that person, have a healthy conversation and set boundaries. But ideally, get the hell out of there. <laughs> so the next submission is somebody said they're holding back from letting go. A part of me wants to just let someone completely go, and the time invested is what's holding me back. Totally understand where that that feeling comes from. I feel like that's so natural when it comes to letting go. For me specifically, letting go is so hard. It's so hard to do, and I remember like 
having childhood moments where I had to let go of like toys and like just random items. But letting go of those even as a kid was like the hardest thing ever. And I feel like that's still something that's super hard for me. Like maybe no progress has happened since then. Um, And I just think that everybody deals with that. Like it is really hard to let go. And even the people who act like it's nothing to cut a bitch off. Let's be honest. It's something. There's something deep down there. (laughs) You're probably just ignoring it. But it is hard to let go. And I really hope that even if the time spent is concerning for you because you feel like you wasted time, that you realize you have so much more time and don't waste the value of the time ahead of you the same way that you felt like you wasted it in the past. I hope that helps. (laughs) Even though I'm giving my unsolicited advice now. Nobody was asking for advice here. It's okay, I'm sorry. Um, The next submission says, I wish that my partner would share the mental load with me. Handling it by myself is exhausting. And I hear you, girl. I feel like in relationships, there's so many ups and downs that nobody talks about. So I'm really glad that you got that off your chest. And I feel like maybe have a conversation. I feel like communication can really help sometimes. The next submission says, piece of advice, trying to start something new is scary but we indigenous women gotta reach for our dreams so others will too. I love this advice. I feel like this is something that I often preach myself, so I can totally relate to this advice. I feel like I would give this advice as well, and that's real shit. We really do have to keep going for what we want if we wanna set an example for our children or other future generations to continue to go for what they want because at the end of the day, there's a lot of things in life that we have, but like, being happy with being alive should be the goal. And I feel like if we're continuously going for what we want without fear and without holding ourselves back, then we're gonna be happy. So I love that. And then lastly, I actually was asked for advice on something. So now this is not unsolicited advice. Um, So here it is. I'm in an open relationship, but I'm used to monogamy. She wants to decolonize sex, and I want to try to understand that as much as possible while also trying to change my stigma with polyamory. What's some good advice you have for that? Well, 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 I feel like the wrong person to be giving any advice on this because I feel like I would be in the same position as you are. If I decided to be in an open relationship, I would also be really, flustered about the whole predicament. I totally understand the idea behind decolonizing sex. And I think that polyamory is actually a really beautiful thing. And I have no shade or no negative thoughts about it. But I think when you grow up in a society where that's not even considered normal, it becomes so complicated to decolonize that and to realize that there is a whole nother way of viewing things that it almost just feels like a rebirth. And I can just imagine how hard that would be. My advice would be, I'm assuming you're comfortable with the decision to be in an open relationship. So if you are comfortable with that decision, I personally would talk to people who also have been in monogamous relationships in the past and then decided to switch over or try out polyamory because I think there's a lot of wisdom in other people's experiences and then just making connections with somebody that understands what you're going through can be really helpful. And honestly, as with all things, therapy sounds like a great option for that. At least having a space where you can go to say the things that are inside your head that maybe you're not comfortable with sharing with your partner about the fear, especially if your partner is already very comfortable with that and you're not. So that's really my advice. I wish I had more of advice on that, but I do wanna say kudos to you for trying something new and for being brave. That's really amazing. Um, I wish I had that bravery sometimes, but I also am perfectly fine with being monogamous. But kudos to everybody who is deciding to go for exactly what they want and really make changes in their life, especially when it comes to decolonizing anything. That's such a huge step and I think that's worth being applauded for. So I'm proud of you. And that's it. That's all we have for submissions. So 
now is the time where I'm going to start talking about my birth story. Well, my pregnancy and my birth story with Moon. It's probably going to be a crazy ride because there's a lot to tell and I don't want to make this too long of a story because I could go on forever about this. But disclosure, I also am still very much healing from this. And when I first decided that it would be Moon um, that I would talk about when it comes to birth stories, because I did a poll on social media, um, I was a little bit nervous. I'm not going to lie. I didn't think that everybody would vote for the story with Moon. I wouldn't think that people would be as interested in the story that is lost and that's painful compared to three births of a healthy live baby. Um, but I think it's also a good leap of faith for me to jump into and to continue to talk about because the whole reason I started the podcast was to be able to heal through telling stories and through being able to share those stories with other people. So that's what I'm here for and I'm just gonna get into it. Now, if you're just listening or you don't know much about me, Moon is my sixth child. Um, I lost my first two when I was 16 and 18 and then I had three children after that at ages 19, 21, and 23. Oh my gosh, I really don't even remember if it was 23 or 24. 23, I'm assuming. <laughs> um, and then Moon was the pregnancy that I had just last year in 2021 that resulted in loss at 17 weeks pregnant. Um, so I'll just start off at the beginning. Moon's life was something special to me. I believed in a very different pregnancy and birth experience this time around. Um, as a background of my birth history, I've always wanted a completely natural birth, no induction, interventions, medications, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I've always believed in the sensations of physical pain, bringing some form of wisdom and deeper connection to my body. Um, it's like a portal to understanding myself more. And I had given birth to all three of my babies beforehand without an epidural so that is an, a, a testament a testament um, to the fact that I really just believed in that pain bringing some type of purpose um, but for that reason I didn't want to numb the pain of labor I also have trauma that makes me resistant to wanting unnecessary touching and handling of my body so I wanted to remain in control of when and how I'm touched ideally I dreamed of an out-of-hospital birth hospitals haven't really been a good place for me. Um, I have experienced migraines since childhood, and so most of the time in the ER, I have sat there with like a pounding migraine, and then people not really understanding how to help me sometimes. Other times they were pleasant experiences because they got used to me coming, um, but it, it just, overall, the hospital just reminds me of pain. And so it's just not a comfortable place. Add in the fact that I am an indigenous woman and I'm more likely to be harmed in any system, but especially a hospital um, and especially within childbirth. Like it's just not a place that I choose. I, I would willingly continue to choose um, for myself. Um, so for the first time, I fully committed to receiving all my pregnancy care and delivering out of the hospital with Moon's pregnancy because I wasn't able to do so before. And that was a result of like financial burdens because you do have to pay out of pocket for a midwife. Um, if and I mean, if you have insurance that covers it, that is amazing, but it's actually really rare. So most of the time you pay out of pocket. Um, but because I chose that route for the first time, in pregnancy, I felt completely safe and I felt completely cared for and I completely trusted my care provider. My provider was a midwife um, named Tiffany at De La Flora Midwifery in Grand Rapids and she's also my friend and I also work for her as a birth assistant so this was already a really special connection and I honestly wouldn't trust anyone else more than her. So overall I was just really excited about being able to have a different pregnancy, um, being able to be fully in control of my care because if you know Tiffany you know that she's not going to ever tell you what to do or make you do something you don't want to do. She is fully aware of what bodily sovereignty is and making sure that people can be in tune with their bodies and make decisions for themselves. And so this would have just been a overall more empowering experience. 
Um, I felt really lucky that I could be in this position. Um, but although I felt lucky and that this pregnancy was something special, for some reason I also had a really deep gut feeling that loss was gonna happen. And I don't know how to explain that. Um, but if you know what a gut feeling is and you know what your intuition feels like and something just telling you something bad is gonna happen, that's the feeling that I had this time. Um, I had this kind of anxiety when I was pregnant with Azriel, and that was my first son that I had after my two losses. So I didn't really understand how to differentiate between the anxiety um, and what my intuition was telling me. And if you struggle with anxiety and you're also a very intuitive person, you definitely understand what I'm talking about. Those two can be very confusing and it's hard to navigate that. Um, so I just kind of just swept it under the rug as anxiety. There was nothing I could really do with this information that I kept feeling. Um, and so I decided to just kind of push the fears away. And for the entire first trimester, I would combat my anxiety with positive affirmations. My first trimester was way too easy, easier than ever before. It was the first time that I rarely experienced severe vomiting, which continued to add to that lucky feeling I had. Uh, when I was pregnant with my other children, uh, severe nausea and vomiting was something that I struggled with a lot and it was the worst part of pregnancy for me. I really dreaded that happening again. So I just felt overall lucky. When I made it to the second trimester, I was so ecstatic. I rejoiced feeling like I successfully defeated my biggest fear, which was loss. Uh, most mis For the people who don't know, most miscarriages occur in the first trimester. It goes from being like a 10 to 15% chance in the first trimester to a one to 5% chance in the second trimester. So to me, that was enough to let go of all the worrying that I was doing before. Yet I still found myself always talking about the pregnancy, just feeling almost too good to be true. It was just something that I continuously kept bringing up to people when they would ask how I'm feeling and how things were going. Like, I would just be like, this isn't really good. Like, I have no complaints. I have nothing bad to say. Like, everything's just been so smooth. Yet at the same time, I still had that gut feeling. And at this point in my second trimester, I was just trying not to even bring that up and talk about it anymore because I just wanted to believe that I was worthy of having this wonderful pregnancy and that it was going to be great. But besides the lack of the horrible symptoms I typically experience in pregnancy, I also felt that it was like really just divine timing. I had literally just quit my job prior to becoming pregnant. And that was something that I really wanted to do was just to be able to experience my pregnancy without having to slave my life away to some corporation. Um, and I also always wanted to carry my pregnancy, well, like a future pregnancy through the whole holiday season and deliver in the springtime, like how I did with Osriel. It was just like a really nice feeling to be pregnant through the holidays. I don't know how to explain that either. It's just something so warming about that. And so I was just happy that everything was kind of just going exactly how I longed for and imagined it for myself. So I tried my best to remind myself to just be grateful for the days as they come and remove all the negativity when it comes up. I protected myself a lot. I protected my energy more fiercely than ever before in this pregnancy. When I was 15 weeks, I had what would be my last ultrasound actually seeing Baby Moon alive and well. We found out that he was a boy and we even got a heartbeat recording, like one of those little um, push recordings that you can put inside a little teddy bear. And I will explain this later, but that ends up having a really beautiful significance to me. Um, however, I remember bawling my eyes out in the car, driving alone to go get my kids some pizza for dinner, like right after finding out that I was having another boy. Um, I knew it was a boy all along and I had been telling Michael that consistently because he truly felt like it was a girl and I was like, no, I know it's a boy. I dreamed of him multiple times. Um, it was the only time I consistently kept sawing my baby in my dreams. It was really powerful. Like I just felt such a deep and intimate connection with him before he even made it here. Almost kind of like in a soulmate kind, like a soulmate kind of way. 
This time of my pregnancy, I would say, was the best time I had ever had. I just remember like it was yesterday. I mean, really, it wasn't that long ago, but I remember like it was yesterday, just feeling so giddy like a child. And like, I was literally in the car, like screaming like a little girl, like, oh my gosh, I'm having my third boy. I really actually wanted another son. And I just felt so like, excited that everything I thought was true and everything that I wanted was coming true. And it just, once again, it just felt too good to be true. Um, But unfortunately that was short lived. So every morning I would typically wake up with nausea and then around the afternoon time I would be like fighting for my life to stay awake until bedtime. Um, But all of a sudden I noticed that was changing like I started to feel a lot less pregnant. I tried again to remember that I was just feeling lucky, like I I just had a lucky, perfect pregnancy, just trying to combat those feelings again. But when I went to have my 17-week checkup with my midwife, I told her um, this conversation is like eerie, but also interesting to me that it happened this way Um, but I I just told her that everything was just going like way too well and that it worries me that it's too good and I told her I felt like I should also be doing more to prepare for him to come and I just I don't know why but I felt like I needed to be preparing for something Um, she helped me ease my worries and reminded me to just soak up the good things as they come and when my fears hit about loss um, to sit with them and learn from them so that I could understand why I was feeling that way she knew that this was something that was like eating me up from the beginning so she always knew the right things to say but when it came time to check for his heartbeat and the ultrasound machine something just wasn't right instead of seeing my baby with full energy bouncing around and kicking like I'd been used to seeing on the ultrasound, I saw a lifeless blob. I didn't really know or maybe want to accept what I was seeing, so I just stopped looking and stared off into the ceiling. I think Tiffany, my midwife, knew my fear was coming true, um, but she tried so hard to keep me calm literally an angel in this situation. It felt like hours were passing by while she continued to search on the ultrasound machine and she decided to switch from the ultrasound to check the heartbeat. But she she couldn't find one. Um, and may I reiterate, like this literally felt like hours on hours on hours just sitting there waiting to be told like, oh, there he is, um, but nothing. Nothing was happening. He was gone. I was in complete shock and even denial a little bit. And she tried to once again calm me and remind me, like, maybe he's just sleepy. Like, I I know she was just trying to help me think positively. Like, I don't think either of us wanted this to happen. So we just kind of were both in denial. Um, But she did tell me it might be best for me to go to, to the ER and double check. So... I got up from the table and she went to hug me and I just started crying. Like I was holding it in that whole time because the shock of it all, but then being embraced by someone who is your care provider, but also just really cares for you as a person. um, It just allowed me to like realize that this is real and I broke down. I felt so sick like my body started getting really hot I felt like the room was closing in on me I literally just wanted to like run home and just scream because I didn't know what to do with my emotions and everything was just so confusing I frantically texted Michael telling him to call off of work because I knew that we were going to have to go to the hospital and he was about to leave for work. So I texted him. I didn't even tell him anything that was happening because I was just trying to like get out of the office and go to my car and cry (laughs) because I didn't want to sit there and like weep the whole time. Um, I like to grieve and be sad alone before I express those emotions fully around other people. So I went to the car, Um, I was really scared, 
and I immediately called my sister. Um, If you know me, my sister is literally my best friend. Um, That's my ride or die forever till I die for real. So that's just the person that I go to for comfort and probably will forever. As soon as she picked up and I heard her voice, I, I just started crying. Like I just broke down and I finally felt like I could just let it all out. I was trying to tell her what happened through my cries, but I could literally barely breathe. And then I finally told her and she started to cry with me. She also tried to help me keep hope, but we knew. We knew that that was the end of his life. Next, I called Michael and I told him why I asked him to call off work and why we would have to go to the hospital. And he was just, he was way too calm. Like, I know he tries to be my rock and be my peace through everything, but it was like crazy (laughs) how calm he was. Um, But I thank him for that because I really did need that. He helped me ground myself enough to drive home and be with him and to start the journey that we were about to go on. So I went home, we talked about it. He was still very calm. I was very emotional, Um, but we left the house and we went to the ER. And the wait at the ER lasted a total of four hours before anything happened. Now we're in the middle of a pandemic, so I did expect it to be a longer wait. And I had actually went to the emergency room like two or three times already in my pregnancy for really bad migraines. So I had waited like two hours recently and I knew it was gonna be a long wait, but four hours was insane. It was the longest I had ever waited for any type of medical care and It was hard. What made it even harder was being alone. Michael was told to wait in the guest area, which was pretty far away. So we both sat separately and waited, just terrified of what was gonna happen. So finally, after what felt like the longest wait of our lives, and it probably is the longest wait of our lives, I got called back. I go directly to an ultrasound room with a technician. We waited as she began the scan and Pretty quickly after starting, she confirmed she was also unable to find a heartbeat. We both immediately fell into like the quietest breakdown, holding back from like literally screaming like I wanted to was the most challenging thing ever. It literally felt like time was stopped and we were just stuck in this moment realizing that what we were so excited for and what felt too good to be true really was too good to be true. And we didn't have our baby with us anymore. The ER staff was really confusing. Um, Again, it was a crazy time in the hospital. So we had multiple different people coming in, but they kept telling me different things. Like one was saying that I'd need to have surgery right away to remove him. And it would probably be that night and I would probably be admitted. And then another nurse came in and told me that I have options of surgery or natural birth. She didn't know when it would be. And then it just got to the point where I just told them what I was going to do after hearing what all my options were and was like, I am going to go home because I'm not going to do anything right now. Like I have to go home and I have to grieve. I have to be alone and like process this for a minute before we start on the solution, you know, like removing him. Um, So I told them I'd be going home. Um, They gave me a number for an OB office within Spectrum Health, which is the hospital I went to, and that I would be able to call whenever I feel comfortable to talk about options and start the process. While we were waiting um, in the ER, though, throughout this time, we were talking about what we wanted to name him because I brought up to Michael, like, I know you haven't experienced loss before because this was his first time. But as someone who had experienced it before, and especially with how far I was in my pregnancy and like the connection that we had established with him already, I just felt like it would be extremely important to still treat him like he was a live, healthy baby outside of the womb. And so I wanted to name him really bad. We really typically don't agree on names very well. And 
for the past like week we had been consistently talking about names because we had just found out he was a boy and I would pitch one and he'd be like no and then he would pitch one and I'd be like hell no (laughs) and we just could not agree on anything but ironically the night before I found out that he died I literally like falling asleep but just something randomly came to me and was like what if we named him moon and he's at work at night so I texted him and was like we should name him moon and I was like joking kind of because I thought he was gonna be like that's stupid (laughs) um but he was like you're funny like he just he didn't say no but he didn't say yes and it was like the first time that he totally didn't say no so I was like hmm maybe his name should be moon like maybe I should root for that a little bit more and I brought it up to him while we were waiting in the ER and was like what if we name him moon because the way that it just came to me when I wasn't actually even like thinking about his name at that moment and it was like this twilight zone that I was in before sleep that it came to me I was like what if that was his way of choosing his name because it was just so divine how it happened and he looked at me and was like yeah let's name him moon so we decided to name him that and after deciding we would go home um we left (laughs) and basically just spent the rest of that night grieving I can't lie I honestly don't really remember everything from that night but I do remember having to contemplate like where and how I was going to deliver him because I did have the option to just not call the OB office and not go through with delivery at a hospital if I didn't want to. My midwife made it clear that if I didn't want to do that, that she would be able to support me however I wanted to do that. And honestly, I an option is delivering him myself. Um, but I just, I thought that delivering him at home in the place that I have to live every single day would end up creating a really traumatic and triggering memory in my safe space. Um, I didn't know how the birth would go, if it was at home or just in general at all. And I just didn't feel comfortable risking that being something that takes away the comfortability of being at home. So I decided to deliver in the hospital. I remember the next morning, I actually just woke up and like cried my eyes out before anyone was even awake because I couldn't sleep and it was super early and I was just so stressed about trying to make a decision about this birth because I knew that I had to like get myself together and realize that there is a baby inside of me that needs to come out and so I really have to make a decision and I have to be strong and push through it because no matter what I have to do it like I have to get through it but it was just so terrifying for me and I just felt so alone because this is a decision that I had to make 100% by myself and I was just not in a healthy mental state of course I was grieving and it had only been just that day um so yeah I I finally decided on delivering in the hospital I felt like it was already a system I was comfortable in because I had delivered in the hospital three times before, not saying that they were pleasant experiences or that the system wasn't going to fuck me, but I did know the procedures of the hospital and I knew that I was powerful enough to make sure that things went the way that I wanted them to. Being a birth worker, I know how to navigate my way through the system and then I also felt really supported Um, having Michael with me. He is really my protection and I trust him to take care of me and I knew that if anything were to happen to me that he would advocate for me in the way that I need him to. And then also besides that, if something bad happened in the hospital, I know I have people that will back me up and that will come help me. So I felt like it was a safe option, surprisingly. (laughs) Anyways, um, I ended up calling the OB office and setting up a virtual appointment. But what frustrated me is that before the virtual appointment, I had to go to an ultrasound because they wanted to be able to have their own images because apparently they didn't have access to the ones in the hospital, blah, 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 I don't know. But I had to go in for another ultrasound to be able to move forward with the hospital induction. And it was frustrating having to go back in for another ultrasound to potentially see my baby that's not alive once again and I just didn't want to be triggered by it so when we went in 
I just really went numb and I didn't even want to see the screen. The nurse or not the nurse, the technician asked, like, do you want to see as I'm doing it? And I was like, no, I'm good. <laughs> like, I just I I just don't want to remember him that way anymore. I just if, if I have to see him without life again, like I just want to be holding him. So we did that again. I started to like really feel numb overall about the whole thing. Um, I ended up having the virtual appointment and talked to the doctor about what would happen and we scheduled the induction. My main wish for the induction and delivering Moon was to try to make it as positive as an experience as it could possibly be. Obviously, it's not a happy situation, but I wanted to be able to look back at this entire situation and instead of only feeling pain, like I wanted to find some something that I could do to make light out of the situation when I look back at it. It's, it was a really hard time, one of the darkest times of my life. And I felt like I had some type of control over my birth because I had options and I was able to do what I wanted to. And I'm very comfortable with birth. I'm very comfortable with my body and how it delivers babies. And so I just felt like that was something that I could control in the situation and potentially change the thoughts in my mind about how the entire experience went. So my goal was to not have any surgery. I didn't want to not have Moon in my hands. I wanted to deliver him. I wanted to hold him. I wanted to spend time with him, even if he wasn't alive. And I wanted to also be able to bring him home with me. So I had a lot of wishes that I didn't know there were gonna be like issues with in the future, and we'll get into that. But I was very like set about my wishes and I knew exactly what I was going to do when I went in the hospital and I knew that I wasn't going to let anybody change my mind or tell me what I can or can't do. That's how I went into it. So the next morning I went to the hospital for the induction. All the people I interacted with were really kind, but being told like, I'm sorry for your loss. I know this is so hard over and over was really exhausting. Um, at this point, I was just trying to hold my shit together emotionally and not continue to break down so that I could at least make his birth a more positive experience. I had optimism that this would be the part I could look back on and be happy with. So I just continued to try to fight those feelings and continue to try to think at the end of all this, I'm going to at least hold him. I will at least have that. So we started the induction process. Um, the process is basically inserting a medication vaginally and letting your contractions start. And that's exactly what happened. I had the first dose of the medication and I remember just like praying that all I would need is the one dose and that it would just happen really quickly. And that's just what I kept speaking out loud as an affirmation for myself. Like my body is gonna pick up on this. It's gonna go smoothly, it's gonna go fast and it will be done before the end of the day. After the first medication, it was actually picking up pretty quickly. I think it took like maybe 30 minutes for my body to start cramping. And another thing about this whole experience is that like I didn't know what it would be like to deliver a baby at 17 weeks because this is a totally new experience. And to be truthful, I've never heard of this happening for anyone. I've never heard anyone's story about it. I've never fully been educated on it, even as a birth worker who has been to many trainings about supporting people as a doula. Like I've literally never heard anyone talk about what the labor and delivery process will feel like or look like for somebody at this stage of pregnancy losing their baby. And so everything was really just a mystery. I didn't know if the contractions would feel the same as I had felt before. I didn't know how long it would take. I didn't know anything really. And anytime I asked somebody, they didn't really know either. Um, the staff obviously had seen more situations like this before than I had. And even they were like, it's so, like there's so many variations of how this could go. And with birth in general, that's a statement that reigns true. Like there's so many ways that birth can go, but you at least know somewhat of the outline of it. And 
they were like, it could take days. It could take a couple minutes. It could like, there's just so many routes that this could go that I just can't like ease your mind by telling you anything. So that part was quite frustrating for me, not being able to like predict what was going to happen or to be able to like feel certain sensations in my body and know if it's progressing well or not. It was really hard and confusing. But again, I continue to speak those affirmations over my body that I would be able to do this easily and it would go smoothly and it would go fastly. And I just kept telling myself that over and over. And I was having what felt like period cramps, like as if I was on a pretty bad period. And it was very, very tolerable. It was once like way too easy. I didn't know. I was like, Michael, I wonder if this is like the hardest that it gets. And if it is, that is so amazing. Like I was really optimistic and just speaking these positive things into the whole experience. But then I would also be like, but what if this is just the beginning and it's gonna get really crazy? Like that's wild. I tried to shut that down though. (laughs) Um, And after I think the second dose, um, or no, it was still the first dose of medication that I had. I was starting to get a little bit more in pain after a couple hours. I think it was like one or two hours. And I was like, let me get into the bath because water is something that's really healing for me and being able to be submerged in water and deal with the pain. And then also just like be alone in my own space in the bathroom. I felt like that would be really helpful for me to continue to tell my body like it's okay to let go, it's okay to release and that everything will be fine. Like you're safe and I'm gonna take care of you. And so in that moment, I decided to get in the bath and do exactly that. I played um, a little playlist that I actually had put together before coming to the hospital of songs that would just like help me really let go of all of my emotions and just like get them out because I actually just really planned on having this moment. (laughs) Like I really planned on being able to be alone for at least some point of the labor experience and be able to make this memorable for me personally. Might I also add, (laughs) totally forgot to touch on this, but before I got in the bath, there were people who were bringing in like paperwork for me to sign when it comes to um, his body and what we were gonna do with it. I decided not to get testing done on him because I just didn't want anyone to take his body anywhere. And I told them that I will be bringing him home. And this was like foreign foreign language to them. Like they were like, why would you bring him home? I don't understand, but they were trying really hard because they knew that I was suffering a loss. So they were being as kind as they could. And thankfully my nurse was really, really sweet. Like there was literally nothing wrong with her. She really did try so hard to understand me and to fight for me. Um, And basically they told me like, we have to get this approved pretty much from like some higher department. So I was like, okay, whatever, go do your thing. Like, but at the end of the day, that's what I'm doing. And that was the last that we had talked about it before I got in the bath. So I'm in the bath and I'm having this really, spiritual and emotional moment of being able to cry about the fact that I'm like sad about all of this, but then being able to tell my body it's okay. And like, even though it's hard, like we're going to get through this and then just really trying to keep myself uplifted and feeling empowered through the experience. Um, All of a sudden I hear a knocking at the door and I figured it was the nurse, um, not like the bathroom door, but the hospital room door. And I figured it was a nurse. Someone came in. I heard Michael talking, this person talking. I didn't really pay much attention to it. And then also like my music was playing, so I couldn't really hear what they were saying. But then the person comes and knocks on the bathroom door and is like, I know you're taking a bath. I'm sorry to disturb you, but... Um, I just needed to talk to you about some things when it comes to your wishes. And so I was like, okay, we can just talk like through the door. Like, it's fine. I'll just stay here. Um, She was a social worker and she told me that she wanted to like understand why I was bringing him home, what exactly my plans were, if I had any paperwork to like back up my decision. And it just felt like an interrogation rather than her like asking me, um, for help understanding so that she could like 
route for my case, if that makes sense. I guess this was just part of like the process of the hospital system. And she asked me this and immediately I was like, what do you mean? What paperwork? Like, I don't need paperwork. I just am going to bring him home. Like, was there, is there a problem? Like, is there pushback? Like, I don't understand what you're asking me. And she explained that there was higher departments that have to like approve of this or whatever. And they were like, well, we've just never done this before. And we want to like, basically she was like, I just want to make sure that like, I can get this done for you. And I was, I I feel like I was a little bit mean at this point. This poor social worker doesn't know that (laughs) I was about to snap on her, but I was like, look, what is going to happen if I don't have paperwork, if you don't understand my reasoning, what are you guys going to do? Like at the end of the day, I feel like me saying that I'm bringing my child home is my decision and there shouldn't have to be any approval or understanding on your end. Like you should just be able to say, okay, got it because it's my baby and it's my life. You can't really control that. Um, and I got to the point where I was like, what's going to happen if I leave? with my baby without your permission or your understanding like is somebody going to arrest me like what are really the repercussions of me deciding to wait for an approval and at this point she was like I am so sorry like I didn't mean to like make you upset I'm gonna continue to work on this and I'm sorry for your loss and just left and I was so triggered at this point. I was like fuming. I didn't care about my bath anymore. I was getting upset. I got out of the bath. When I got out, I was like, Michael, what the fuck was that? Like, what happened? Like, what did she say to you? Just really triggered and really upset at this point. And he was like, I don't know. Like, everything's gonna, like, this is really frustrating. Like, he was also very confused. He's also grieving. Like, he doesn't understand these systems and any of this as much as I do, so it was probably even more confusing for him, and I was just overwhelmed and freaking out. Right at the time that I was talking to him about it, and we were both like, what the fuck is going on? Like, this is annoying. Um, a resident doctor had come in and this resident doctor was just checking on like my progress, telling me that I was going to get another medication or dose of medication soon. And that was pretty much it. So we talked about that, but I could like, he could tell that I was visibly upset. And so he asked me about it and I was like, I just want to understand why people are bugging me about paperwork and like trying to understand where I'm coming from. Like, I, I, why can't I just take my baby home? Like, is there something that I need to do to be more like reputable? Do you like really want me to get a lawyer or something? And he sat down and like took a deep breath and was like, I am really sorry that you're frustrated. I'm really sorry that this is a bad experience for you. You do not need to get a lawyer if you want to take your baby home and your placenta home, I completely understand where you're coming from. And he basically said that he just doesn't understand the system either and that it's very weird for a lot of people who are indigenous or come from other backgrounds than just this white American place that we live in and have to deal with. And he really just validated everything that I was feeling and reminded me that it was okay and that he would make sure that I got my wishes and he made sure that literally nobody bothered me about it again. And this is something that every time I talk about this story, I just get so emotional about that part because it's it's something about someone fighting for you within the system that's also a person of color because he was a black man and he was from Nigeria. It's just something about that effort and that understanding that someone can give you when you are in a system or even you have to be in a system and knowing that there's someone else that cares within the system and he really got the job done. Like I didn't have to talk to anybody about that ever again after that. He really just fought for me and I respect that so much. And 
when I look back on the whole story, that is literally one of the most beautiful things to me. And that is something that I will carry with me in my memory forever and be able to rejoice about because it was just such a special moment. And I'm very grateful for that. So anyways, moving on from that, um, I got the second dose of medication and almost instantly my body picked up on the medication and I was having way more painful contractions. They still felt more like cramps than contractions. Um, It did not feel like anything in my stomach. It felt like lower back pain and like period cramps again, but they were a lot more painful. And I remember telling Michael like, yeah, this is picking up. So like, I don't know if you should be on like standby (laughs) to like help me if something happens, but like this is getting really crazy. And I remember um, texting my sister just trying to like keep my mind occupied through the pain because it wasn't to the point where I was like needing physical assistance or like gonna cry about it, but it was pretty painful and I was just trying to distract my mind because that's what I do usually when in pain. Um, And so I'm texting her and then all of a sudden everything gets really intense and I felt a gush of liquid and I jumped off my phone and I was like, Michael, I think he's about to come. I don't know what to do. And I started panicking like immediately. And he's like also panicking with me because he's like, I don't know what you want me to do. Like, I'm just I'm just here for support. I don't know what to do either. And I was like, Michael, something is happening. Like it's getting more intense. And then like a couple seconds later, I felt something move. And I was like, okay, he's definitely coming. Like maybe call a nurse because I don't, I don't want to catch him. Like I'm just that person. I never will catch a baby. Like I just can't do that. Not my own. I, I could definitely catch somebody else's baby, <laughs> but I couldn't do it to myself because um, it's just too emotional for me to like handle my emotions in that moment and then also do something physically. Anyways, so he calls the, or he hits the nurse button and calls for someone and someone comes in and the nurse is like okay let me check you and I was wondering like at this point I was in pain and like really frazzled (laughs) frazzled because I knew he was coming and I was starting to get really overwhelmed and she her asking me let me check you um first of all wasn't an ask she was just telling me she was going to do it, which was a problem in itself. But like, I didn't have the time to be like, no, I don't really need you to check me. Like, I just want you to be here for when I push him out. But instead I just let her, um, which is one thing about my birth with moon that bothers me still to this day. And it's not as bad as it could be compared to birth trauma I've had in the past, but I, I look back at it and wish that I would have just been like, don't touch me. Um, But once again, so many flaws in the system, especially when it comes to birth. However, she went to check me. And as soon as she went to check me, um, he came out. And I remember in this moment, like just feeling like what the fuck is going on? It wasn't like a beautiful, happy moment when he first came out. Like I was just shocked, completely shocked and mind blown at what just came out of me because I don't really know what I was expecting, but I think I expected him to be smaller and like less of a, a baby, like a real baby. Like he had the exact makeup of a baby, but few variations and was just amazing, like just an amazing creation. And I wish I had the words to properly describe how beautiful babies are at all stages but now that like I've been able to see a 17 week old baby outside of the womb I am just in awe of life and how it's made and all the stages of growth it's just so beautiful and so breathtaking so she gave him to me, I was holding him, and I I just sat there and just stared at him. And Michael broke down crying, and I was looking at him like, this is so emotional, and he's so upset and crying and sad, and like I just felt nothing. I felt nothing at all, um, except for just like awe of what, of what he looked like. I was just, it was just so much shock. So at this point, I had actually 
started to worry because they had told me previously that if my placenta does not come out on its own after delivering him, that I would have to be going back for surgery. And that, again, was something I really didn't want because I also wanted to take my placenta home. And then in general, like I just didn't want to be away from Moon once he was here. So I started to worry after I was holding him. I gave him to Michael to be held by his dad. And I was like, did the placenta come out? And the doctor at that point um, is like, no, but I think we can just give it some time. So I wasn't too worried. I felt reassured that I would have time. And I did. Um, Mind you, I totally forgot to bring this up, but my friend Brittany, who is a doula and photographer, came up to the hospital to take photos of my experience, which was extremely special for me. And I am so grateful that I had that opportunity, that she asked me to do that and that I was able to take advantage of that. Unfortunately, I didn't realize that my labor would go so quickly because it took like a couple hours total. And so I was like, no, I don't want you to come up too soon. Like, I'll just text you when I'm ready. And I texted her like, as soon as I pushed him out. So she got there really fast. I swear she was there in like two minutes, (laughs) but she got there and she was able to take photos of like me holding him and take photos of him and everything. And shout out to Brittany for being an amazing friend. Um, However, we continued to sit there and wait for the placenta to come out. The resident doctor was the one monitoring me and she just kept speaking positivity over me. Like, you have time, everything's gonna be okay. I am pretty sure it's gonna come out on its own. Like, let's just relax and give it time. And she stayed there the whole time just waiting. Um, There was a doctor that was over her that just kept coming in and kind of like, nagging like is it is it here yet like is the placenta out yet kind of seeming like she was irritated like she just wanted to get it over with and this makes sense for the hospital system because that's how doctors are they're very impatient um but the resident doctor just kept advocating for me and was like yep it's coming and she also was an amazing person on the staff i actually remember having her when i delivered solana and she left a good impression on me there so i was very grateful that i was in her care um also very grateful that my friend and doula (laughs) at this time Brittany, was there um because i felt like another blanket of security with me having another birth worker there and then also having michael there and then me being a birth worker like i just felt like everything was going pretty well and that i was going to be safe and that even if the placenta wasn't delivered i had enough people around me to help me through the process of grieving delivering the placenta if i wasn't able to so we waited for literally three hours and the placenta finally came and i remember (laughs) looking back like they told me that I wouldn't be able to like wait this long for the placenta to come out so whatever the resident doctor did to work her magic and make sure that I was able to continue to wait until it came out instead of having surgery like I am so grateful for her and so happy that my body was able to get through this whole experience and give me exactly what I was wishing for the whole time, that I would have a safe birth, that I would get exactly what I want, that it would go fast, that it wouldn't be too painful, and that I would be able to hold my baby and have him. And everything just went so well, minus the the two slip ups that happened, which I don't want to invalidate my issues with those two things because those are very real issues no matter how big or small but I do want to focus on the positivity that happened and that I got mostly what I wished for and that his birth story is something that I look back on and I do feel happy about I do feel like it went the best way that it could have for where I was at emotionally and physically where I was at within a hospital I had two resident doctors who were really advocates for me and really helped me through the experience. I had Michael who would have done literally anything for me had I asked, although I did not ask him for much through the time and I just let him grieve. I had people rooting for me outside of the hospital and checking in on me. I had myself, like I really had my own back through this whole process and 
I'm proud of myself for how I handled everything, how I was able to continue to speak positive affirmations over my body through the process and really claim a more positive and peaceful birth, even though it wasn't to the live baby that I wish it would have been. I just had to stop recording and take a break for a minute because I think me saying that I am proud of myself was the first time that I ever just told myself that I was proud of myself for handling all of that and for really getting through it. I feel like I could have said that to myself beforehand, but this podcast has actually been really healing for me. It's given me time to really process what I'm saying and really tell a story in ways that I don't normally do had I not had a podcast. Um, So thank you for allowing me to be here and for listening and for voting for this story because I just found some form of healing through telling my story. And I don't know how fast I would have got here before if you guys did not vote for this. So at the same time that I'm healing on the podcast, you guys are also helping me heal by giving me input and pushing me to talk about things that are hard. I want to end this on the note that I am always going to love Moon. I am always going to hold him with me for the rest of my life. And I also want to use this experience to help people in the future that are losing children or are losing babies specifically um, in like the second or third trimester because what I've realized through this is that loss is so different when it's not the first trimester. It feels worse in my experience and it's more confusing. There's not as much support and there's not as many answers. So my wish going forward is to be able to use my experience and my story to bring awareness to the fact that there is lack of education and support in this area and hopefully be able to help somebody else get through it one day. Because I remember actually someone telling me that I was going to use this um, to help me as a birth worker and help other people. And at the time I was kind of bitter about that and I didn't really understand why someone would say that. But looking back three to four months later, I completely understand where they were coming from and it felt hurtful at the time, but they were trying to just make light out of the situation. And I'm at a point where I can start to make light out of the situation. And that is one thing that I am really passionate about now is being able to use this experience for change in birth work and for grieving mothers and fathers and grieving families in general. Another thing that I really want to do is figure out how to change or provide more support within hospital systems when it comes to taking babies home and taking placentas home because having to fight for that through this painful experience was not pleasant. And if I wasn't speaking to the right resident doctor that advocated for me, it could have went a lot worse. And so I want to be able to provide change in that aspect as well in being able to advocate for people to have sovereignty over their bodies and their babies. That's something that everybody deserves, but especially indigenous people because we've had so much taken from us and There's a whole history of trauma with indigenous women and their bodies being controlled by others and their babies being taken from them. So that's something that I'm really passionate about changing as well. And I may not be ready now, but I know in the future, there's so much room for me to grow in that and for me to really take the reins on creating change. So with that being said, I just want to 
end it on that positive note. Um, rest in peace to my baby moon. I love you forever and ever and ever. And I want to always talk about you because you deserve that. And shout out to everyone listening. If you took the time out of your life to spend some time with me and hear my story, I love and respect you for that. And I hope that if you know anyone who is experiencing some type of loss, that you are able to listen to this and maybe find out what it is they're experiencing and how you might be able to help or show up for them as their community because when you're going through loss, community is so important. But that is a wrap on this week's episode. Thank you for listening again and I will see you guys next week. Bye.